Some video games really do age like fine wine. You just have to bury them in your cellar and then never, ever play them. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week on the show, we're talking about retro games and game preservation, mostly because it's been so difficult for us to access the best versions of Final Fantasy VI. So dust off your old controllers and fire up your emulators. Let's do it. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. And we are back. Hello. Hello. We sure are. We sure are back for another episode of Triple Click, the video game podcast. And you know what? Triple Click is a listener-supported podcast, like so many what? podcasts these days. I know. We're, we're just conformists. We're trying to be like everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the ways that we do that is that we talk about video games, which everyone's mm-hmm. talking about these days. And another way mm. we do that is that we, uh, we are totally listener-supported. So we love our listeners, all of the MaxFun members out there who support our show. Thank you so much to all of you. And if you would like to become such a member and help us keep making this show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And if you do that, you will help us make Triple Click, as I said, but you'll also get access to a whole bunch of Maximum Fun bonus content, including uh, bonus episodes of Triple Click, which we're going to be recording another one of those next week about Star Wars The Mandalorian, but we've done all kinds of things, spoiler casts, we call them beans casts on lots of different games and movies, and last time we actually talked a little bit about our own lives, so there's little (laughs) bonus episodes we do for fun for members, and uh, if you can't support the show, that's also totally fine, Um, you know, just listen. It's just enough that you're here hanging out with us to to hear us talk about video games. So thanks to everybody listening. If you want to just leave right now and stop listening, that's fine too. Really (laughs) be your own person. Follow your own. Do your own thing. Wait. (laughs) This month our bonus episode will also be about our lives, except it'll be about our lives uh, parenting baby Yodas and traveling the galaxy with them. Yes. Um, As uh, as flinty uh, bounty hunters in the Star Wars galaxy. We're so badass. All three of us. One more thing before we get started. Um, so, as many of you know, we've been playing Final Fantasy VI as part of the uh, predictions bet, um, which Kirk and I both won. We're playing Final Fantasy VI first, followed by Half-Life 2, Kirk's pick. Um, in two weeks, on February 25th, the episode that airs February 25th, we will be doing a triple play on Final Fantasy VI, and today we can announce that the cutoff point for that episode will be the Opera House, the kind of iconic, one of the most famous scenes of Final Fantasy. We're going to play through till the end of that, and that's where we're going to cut off. So in the triple play in two weeks, we're going to be talking about our progress through the game and spoiling it and t- spoiling it up to that point and and talking about all sorts of things leading up to that. Then following that, we will be doing a Beans cast where we talk about the whole episode, but that'll be down the road, a um, couple of months. Talk so, about the whole game. Talk about yes, the, game the whole game. And it's, and it's so you two have time to play it all. All the beans. Every last Spill bean. Spill on every one of those Final Fantasy VI beans. Lining them up, spilling them out. Okay, cool. So all that said... Maddie, what are we talking about today? We are talking about retro games, classic games, ancient video games, hewn in <laughs> stone, low these many years. We're putting on our fedoras, getting our bullets <laughs> and our leather jackets. Do I was thinking day. way older than that. I was thinking these like, games belong in a museum. Do some horrible colonialist pillaging ancient of the video game archives. And like you know, you're you're playing D and D, but it's uh, ancient Greece or something. That's I'm going oh, okay. way way back, I but see. not not really. I'm really this topic is inspired by my personal quest to play Final Fantasy VI for this show. <laughs> And the journey that I went on. Tell us about it. The unpleasant journey that I went on in order to play Final Fantasy VI. So Final Fantasy VI, it is available on smartphones. However, Jason Schreier informed me that this is not a good version of this video game. Jason, do you want to explain why that is? It's a it's a bad it, translation, right? It's not the original well, version. Well, no, no, the translation is fine. It's just that, um, although there was a weird typo in it at first. I think it's mostly or all the GBA translation, which is a good one. No, the problem with these with this game, with the version they put on iOS and smartphones and also on PC, is that it's kind of ugly and it uses these kind of these. 
I guess they call them refined versions of all the sprites of all the characters. And I just happen to think they look atrocious. Like they're, they're just super blurry and Vaseline and they just do not look good, especially on a PC. Um, and if you're playing on PC, you get the mobile interface, which looks even uglier. And it's just like, it's not a very well done port, I would say. Um, and sadly, there's no way to play the original, to like play these games of the original graphics. And like Square has not ported over the original versions of the game to PC or phones. So I told you both not to play that version and mm-hmm. to try to find the one of the originals. Try to find another version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a version on the Vita. It's not the Vita. It's not the GBA version. It's the other <laughs> it's later the PlayStation version. PlayStation 1 it's version. The PlayStation 1 version of the game that's been ported to the PlayStation Here's Vita. Here's where we get into super convoluted territory. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, I read some reviews of it. Apparently it's not an ideal way to play. It loads really, really slowly. It's a bad port, but it's not the end of the world. And I'm a patient person. So I figured figured I'd buy it on the Vita. Here's the thing. PlayStation Vita store pretty screwed up at this point. It is technically still live, but I could not get it to let me purchase this game. I tried hard restarting, rebooting, deleting everything on the Vita, reinstalling everything. It did not matter. It would not let me purchase the game. Or actually, it did let me purchase the game. I have paid $10 for that game. It did not let me install the game on my Vita. <laughs> I think that's because so at Sony headquarters, the Vita store is just running tethered to somebody's phone because they don't want to pay for more bandwidth. So it just... really feels that way. <laughs> you know, it's it technically is... there, but you know. <laughs> I mean, the Vita is dead. We've all played The Last of Us Part Two. We know it is dead. We watched Ellie stab it. It's, it's gone. It's over. So I was like, you know, I'm also going through this process right now where um, Dina and I are probably going to move in together in a couple months and so I'm, I'm going Ooh. through all my old consoles and I'm thinking about what I want to keep and what I want to give away and since I was already doing that anyway I had all these old consoles lying around my apartment and I was like well there was a port of Final Fantasy 6 on the Wii and also the Wii U same mm, port I believe and I've still got my Wii and my Wii U I haven't plugged those babies in in a while do those still work plugged in my Wii doesn't work anymore oh that's so sad the, the video cable for it just doesn't even work. But also, it wouldn't matter if it did work because the Wii Store is no longer functional. It's no longer live. Oh, God. So I can't buy Final <laughs> Fantasy VI on it anymore. I plug in my Wii U. I believe the Wii U Store shut down like a few months ago. Like I oh, really missed oh, the timing on that one. So I couldn't. But my Wii U still works. But also, is it useful if I can't buy anything new on the Wii U? Who can say? So... Ultimately, um, I will leave it to the listener to imagine how I may or may not have obtained a copy of Final Fantasy VI (laughs) and the way in which I am now playing it. uh, It is not through any of the methods that I just listed. But in the process of all of this, I was just kind of looking at all my old consoles and thinking like, why do I still own all of these if they don't really work and the stores aren't live and I'm never digging them out of these boxes? And what's the purpose of this? And also... What should I be doing about these old video games that I want to play, but I don't have a good way to play? So I I wanted to ask (laughs) you two both of those questions. I guess we don't have to talk about the way that we're playing Final Fantasy VI, um, (laughs) but I am curious about your experiences with old consoles and if you still own any. So Jason, why don't we start with you? Because I feel like you're a guy who might have some old consoles lying around. What what have you got on on deck over there? Yeah, I do. So in... Uh, unfortunately, like around the time I left for college, my parents wound up downsizing and moving from their house into an apartment. And so we had to like get rid of all of our shit. And so there's some stuff that like is in boxes, maybe that I still have to sort through. And I'm Mm -hmm. not sure how many of my old games or consoles are in there. I'm like actually excited to go through and like discover if I have this treasure trove of like NES (laughs) and Super Nintendo games. Um, I know we gave away all my old Legos, which is sad now that I have a kid, so I can't go and take them all for my kid. But, um, um, but I think I still have some some good stuff back there. And by the way, technically, it is legal to emulate games if you own them. So, like, if you own the cartridge, you can technically... So I own it on the Vita digitally. They just won't <laughs> let me play it. More of an edge case. <laughs> I mean, that's when you get into... We won't, we won't super hard get into emulation. But, like, if you buy the game, like, ethically, it's like you're still... <laughs> you bought the game. I mean, mm-hmm. if you can't actually can't play it on your Vita, like... 
all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It is what it is. Make your own ethical decisions there. But like, I think we all, we all kind of, I think most reasonable people would agree on the same course of action. But anyway, so yeah, so it is a great question because it's like, do you, if I find my Super Nintendo and let's say by some chance it actually still works, like I plug it in and it still works. Is this something that I like want to save for my kids one day for them to check out? Is this something mm-hmm. I want to just stick in a, in a closet just for nostalgia purposes, just to have it just because I can't bear the thought to throw it out. And that's when you get into like hoarder territory and worry if you're becoming a hoarder, but it's an interesting question. It's something I've thought about. Um, it's something that I don't know exactly where I land on. It's something that I just moved. So I, I'm, I'm in the process of like going through all that stuff and figuring out what the, what I'm going to do with it all. And yeah, I'm not sure, um, what I'm going to do with that stuff. But I, I like the idea of just like having all of your consoles just in case, because the industry is so bad at video game preservation that like it, it's sometimes the only way to actually access those games is to own the original cartridges, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that was why I was holding on to my old Nintendo consoles was because I was like, well, of course, I'm going to keep my Wii and my Wii U because that's Mm going to be the only way I can play these old games. And then I plugged them in and I was like, this might have been stupid. Anyway, Kirk, (laughs) what's what's your situation? How many old consoles do you still have? So I didn't have a lot of game consoles growing up, and as a result, I don't have a lot of really genuinely old consoles sitting around. I have a DS, I think is the oldest thing that I own. I wish I still had my Game Boy. That thing is durable, by the way. That thing's still going to work if you... Oh, I know. It's it Yeah, it's it's a ton of built like a ton of bricks. Um, I had a uh, Game Gear that I... Th- I guess I don't have any more, but I wish I still had it. I wish that I had all of the old stuff that I had as a kid. And I feel like as long as you can afford the space for a box to put this stuff in, it's generally worth keeping it. Because it's so hard to know whether the modern versions or the modern consoles are going to be the same. And I think the way that these things change is actually kind of noteworthy. It's probably that I'm getting older, I guess, but I care more about the way the way that things are kind of ruined or changed over time. Um, I think yeah, same. Like I, I, I think a lot about. Well, Final Fantasy VI is a great example, actually. Yeah, um, that's a perfect example. So there's like the new version of it that you can play, but it doesn't look the same as the old version. And that gets into pretty arcane territory where it's like, well, the translation is better on the GBA version, but the original SNES version, which I have on the SNES Classic, well, that has like the music is less compressed. You can get into weird finer points where there's no one definitive version, and that's kind of unique to some games but not all games but the idea that you can continue to access the story and experience of final fantasy 6 but the better version that you're getting might not be true to the original thing it's not it's it's frustrating and it's not unique to games um i recently so i recently did a strong songs episode about um david bowie and i talked about space oddity his very famous song ground control to major tom and that album has been remastered that's from a self-titled album and it's been remastered a bunch of times and I was listening to this 2015 remaster of it, thinking like, okay, whatever, this one's just on Apple Music, I'll just listen to this as my reference point, and I started noticing this kind of sounds bad, and then I was like, it really started sounding bad, and I even heard some digital distortion, like that horrible, like, like, kind of digital sound, and I was like, what the hell, like, this is so weird, what is going on? Then I started looking around, and it turns out the 2015 remaster of that album is like, notoriously fucked up and someone put it out for other reasons it was like you know who knows why they put it out to try to make money and there are all these other remasters of the song it turns out it was the version they downloaded on Kaza and uh, (laughs) honestly it it sounds like they remastered it yeah based off of some like some uh, Napster mp3 Um, and it's really weird and like when you would download a song and it would be like it would turn into something else yeah yeah like you were tricked into downloading like a bad version of Space Oddity to teach you a lesson right like some weird scream in the middle it turns into land down under (laughs) right 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 some of our listeners are too young to even get this joke and they should learn history that's we are dating ourselves but right it's up to them (laughs) to learn what we're talking about so anyways this is like this keeps coming up too on that show i did like i'll do a beatles track i did day in the life and someone wrote in to say you know you use the remixed version of that album and actually i don't like the remix it's weird because i grew up listening to the original and i think the remix of, of those beatles albums they were actually 
actually really good and they sound good, but they are different. And it's that same mm-hmm. thing where it's like, oh, it's cleaned up. You can hear everything. There's actually a remix of Space Oddity where you can really, uh-huh. it sounds like a modern recording. And it's kind of weird. It's like, well, but the original has this weird panning and it sounds different, but that's the original. And the same thing is true of these games. And even it goes to like playing it on a CRT, like playing it on a TV yeah. instead of on a flat screen TV where the colors are just different and it looks different, which is similar to, you know, watching a real to real movie or, you know, watching it in one format or another or listening to an album on vinyl. And there's something to be said. I think it's the older you get, the more you care because the more things you've actually been alive for to watch them become obsolete. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, I'm increasingly aware now of the things that I have and how in 20 years I'll probably wish that I still had them. So I'm hanging on to more things now than I would have 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah. now, I mean, nowadays, because everything is just only living on streaming services, it really won't be available anywhere. And like, like all the Netflix shows you love might be gone in 15, 20 years and you might never, mm-hmm. ever be. Well, like and that. the video game systems too, right? Like the yeah, Wii U store, yeah. you were just like you were just saying, Mandy, the Wii U store is now no longer online. So it's that's, no can't online. Be, that's not true of the SNES. But I do still have several old physical games. And I, I guess I should note I'm holding on to my Wii even though I think there's something wrong with the cables. But I'm like, well, I could probably buy new cables. And like I've, I've mm-hmm. already internally justified that it makes sense to hold on to the Wii. I, I don't ask me to explain that justification <laughs> here because I don't know that well, I could. it's small. It doesn't but, take up much space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, there's uh, no harm in it. It's fine. And, and I also, <laughs> I did sell my GameCube at one time and I still regret having done that because... I don't know. I don't even know why. I just feel like I shouldn't have well, sold see, it. What you need to do is cut open your Wii and then cut it in half, and you'll have two GameCubes. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Now we're really dating ourselves. That's that a deep cut. That's a deep cut. And then cut I just reference. put a little cute handle on each of them, and you, know, you just have to cut the duct tape, right? That's right. That. Right. Right. That's 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 the game. yeah. So, what about games, though? Do you guys still purchase physical games, or no, not so much anymore? Do you trust the process? Um, you trust you trust the digitization of of it all? Yeah. I well so you know, none of us we don't buy games that much because we get well, a lot yeah. of free games and it's so much easier to get codes when they're free. But mm-hmm. when I buy them, no, I totally buy them digitally. Though when I buy music, I buy it on vinyl. Like I do oh, buy physical okay. music. I don't buy MP3s. No way. Like that's never something I do. So maybe it depends but no with games digital all the way are you too jason yeah i think the convenience of digital yeah especially on like the switch where you really don't want to have to be like popping <laughs> yeah. and looking for cartridges can and... i tell you i have the breath of the wild cartridge that nintendo sent me that has been in my switch yeah, this entire time, time. <laughs> yep yep i have the ring fit only, adventure I, I swapped it out for ring yep. fit adventure yeah ring fit oh, adventure funny. is the one that's physical because you have it's, to buy that game yeah physical. you yeah, have yeah. to buy the the prop that goes with it so you may as well also buy mm. the physical game although i wish i didn't because it's annoying that it's in there like why can't it just already be on my switch it's too bad that's not an option that comes with mm-hmm. a physical game that's like okay mm-hmm. can i also take it out sometimes and you know that i still yeah, have it would it? be like the like buy an album on on vinyl and they give you a little mp3 code like why, yeah. why can't games do that come on why can't i why can't i have that so i play most of my games on pc where i think everybody has pretty much buys only digital these days some people like buy I, physical but yeah that's true i guess <laughs> my my computer doesn't even have a cd drive i oh, didn't well. bother building one in to my wow. pc well, because what, what would be the point? I knew I was going to just buy everything on. Steam you never know. And download you everything, never know. buy everything on Goggle. I like stuff. speaking of being dated. It is. I would call it an optical drive because they're probably an not on CD ROMs these days. That's true. <laughs> yeah. See that. Well, the last time I had a PC with a no, drive, yep, it was yep, a yep. CD. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, you were yep. putting in your Encyclopedia Britannica discs. You were waiting yeah, for it to man. load up. Can I just say that um, something I do all the time when I'm talking about music is I talk about, oh, you won't hear this on the radio, and then I'll be like, <laughs> no one listens to the radio anymore, old man. <laughs> you won't hear this in your spot. Spotify for you selection. I will say that. I'll be like, this might be in a playlist you're listening to or something, and I probably sound like an old person. <laughs> I occasionally put on the radio. Since I moved to the suburbs yeah, no, and I've been yeah. driving to the store, I will occasionally put on the radio. I've got to say, once in a while. Me too. KMHD, a great Portland jazz radio station. Listen to them all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so uh, on, but on PC, I feel like I trust these games to be here. Like I still have games that I bought 10 years ago, 15 years ago that I can still get in the same way. And also I can go on GOG.com and like buy like perfectly preserved versions of pretty much every old PC game I can except think of. Except no one lives forever. Except for no one lives forever. <laughs> yeah. Except for, except for a rare few. But <sighs> I think that like the PC and PC games and PC game makers and just the, the, the computer um, ecosystem and better uh, in general has gotten a lot, is a lot better than like the console makers at preserving mm-hmm. their old stuff. If you want to find an old PS1 
one game, you either have to hope that it's like on the PS Classics, which you can't even get on PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 4, um, or that's it. I mean, or track down a disc or emulate it. But like for a PC game, chances are, if you want to play an old PC game, chances are you can find it somewhere. Yeah. Um, except with a few rare exceptions. Although I feel like Xbox is the counterpoint to that. So this yes. was a decision that I did make. I got rid of my Xbox 360 and a lot of Xbox 360 video games. I put them all in a box. I packed them up. I'm donating them to a friend who works at a college who's going to have his students play it as part of their program. And so I got to feel like I was giving away my 360 and like so many video games to a good (laughs) cause. You can play all those old games. I can play them. Yeah, I could play them, but I don't actually have a, I have a baby Xbox. Oh, right. That doesn't have a disc drive. But I looked at them all and I was like, (laughs) would I want to play any of these again? And first of all, so many of them are on Game Pass. Like just Mm -hmm. a lot of the ones I'm actually interested in are either on Game Pass or like they're wildly on sale. So it wouldn't be that difficult for me to play them like on my PC, which is so much better than the 360 or even the baby Xbox is better than the 360. It's going to look better if I bought it on there. And a lot of them are games that I would never play a second time. (laughs) So I just was like, well, why am I holding on to these? And I, I sort of realized that it was pretty emotional because I remember getting the 360 and how important that was to me at the time because it was also the time period where I was starting to be a games journalist. Mm-hmm. And like, I so associate that purchase and all those games. Like, many of those games were games I got for free at the Phoenix offices and like your first review copies, you know, my, fir- yeah. my first embargoes, my first, re- my first free video games. So I was working for the industry. So, like, I have such a positive memory of those physical games because, of course, I was getting the physical games in the mail at the office, which like, Again, they just email us the codes now, folks. But like that isn't <laughs> that wasn't standard back then. So I just I it was weird to let go of it. But also looking at them, I was like, I don't really need this anymore. And maybe some nineteen-year-old college student could get something out of playing Killzone or not. Or they could be like, Why? Why is this a game <laughs> that I am being given suddenly? Um, but yeah, I I also might get rid of my Dreamcast. I don't know. Tell, guys, tell me I need to get rid of these things. <laughs> no, keep your Dreamcast. I wish I had a Dreamcast. <laughs> well, so, okay, so, but but here's the thing. The 360, it sounds like you found a really valuable place for the 360 where it's actually going to use and appreciate it, and that's, like, a really cool thing. But, like, who's going to take your broken Wii or, like, no even one. your Dreamcast? Like, are there really, unless you just donate it to a video game preservation society or something like that. But even then, I'm sure they have plenty of Dreamcasts. Like, there aren't a lot of places. And, like, even giving it away to charity or something, like, what kid wants a Dreamcast in 2021? Like, give them, yeah. they want your PS4. <laughs> give them that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so like, I think that, that there are actually, there are very few reasons not to keep your old stuff unless you really just have no space. But, like, if you have enough space to have it, there's no reason not to keep it in a closet somewhere. That's kind of, and in general, I'm kind of anti-hoarding and, like, like have to have to yell at my wife to, like, throw stuff out because she loves collecting things. But, but when it comes to game consoles, like, I just don't see the reason not to keep it. You never know. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. normally the same way, although in the case of the Dreamcast, I have not played any of those games for a very long time. Like, I I am also anti-hoarding, and I'm also like, I can't really justify this. The reason why I can justify the Nintendo consoles is because, in contrast to something like Xbox, I feel like Nintendo is actually quite bad at this. Like, there was a period of time where Super Metroid was just... I had like a shitty copy of it on multiple consoles and it was like very inaccessible. Like I think it's on the new 3DS now and that's cool, but like it's not on the Switch I don't think. I think they may have added it into that Nintendo online service I where they're slowly putting old Nintendo games is. in there. Yeah. But like they're taking their sweet time adding old Nintendo games to that service and a lot of those games were not available before that point and were just sort of miscellaneously scattered on the 2DS, 3DS store, the Wii U, the Wii. And you would just have to remember which which of, which of ports were on which platforms for a while. And that's stupid to me. So that was part of how I justified, like, oh, I may as well keep the Nintendo consoles because they're so bad at preserving games and making <laughs> it possible for me to play yeah. old Nintendo games that... I, I mean, like, I still don't have that Metroid Prime Remastered collection that we keep acting like it's going to come out on the Switch any day now. I just have to hold on to my old, like, Wii U ports of those that are yep. good, but they're not that great. And that's a shame, you know? Like, 
come on. <laughs> um, Super Metroid is on the Switch, by the way, on the Switch hey! online service. Um, it must be noted that like Nintendo used to have a, a service called the Virtual Console that was really good, and they would oh, add things yeah. to it all the time. And then they just got rid of it for the Switch era and turned it into this like subscription service where basically if you pay for Nintendo Online, you can download a few Super Nintendo games and regular Nintendo games. But the library is way worse than the Virtual Consoles was, and it doesn't seem like they care enough to like add to it consistently. And it's just such a shame the way that they've treated their their retro library. It's weird because they're sitting on the best library of games, mm-hmm. more yep. than any other like backlog of games, the Nintendo library. Those games are still really fun, so many of them. And uh, they're the ones that are the hardest to play. That that sort of disconnect drives me nuts. Yeah. It is unfortunate. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I recognize that it takes a lot of resources that maybe Nintendo doesn't want to spend on old games. Maybe old games don't actually sell that well. Maybe not that people are interested. Um, although their mini NES and uh, SNES sure seem to sell out everywhere when those came out. Yeah, that's probably different, though, right? Because those things are so cute, and you, you they have a little controller. Yeah, that's a very stuff. different like, thing. It's a physical thing. Yeah, and they're novelty objects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe it's literally, maybe they're looking at a balance sheet somewhere and saying, hey, it's not worth us, worth us putting the the 10 people on our on our retro games committee to actually working on this but then again i actually would argue uh, that that these companies and especially nintendo and sony um have an obligation to preserve these games for like the sake of video game history and the video game industry as a whole and like at a certain point they have to look at themselves and be like is this maybe we're taking a loss on this but like it's our obligation as like the titan of the video game industry to be making these games available so people can play them like it it just doesn't feel like it feels like something that they should have to do and it's a shame that they don't feel that obligation yeah i totally agree and i i also think that it's too bad that emulation has to take the place of that because it's not legal and it's not the way that these games in theory should be preserved and instead they should be available in a in a way that isn't considered seedy and like a thing that we're not supposed to acknowledge anybody does like it's i don't know i think that's kind of silly although i guess it is more of an open secret in games for emulation emulators to exist and be kosher to use as compared to like drama about the internet archive with other forms of media where people mm-hmm. feel like have a lot of mixed feelings about it existing. I'm, I'm pro archiving of all forms, but I know that's like a more open-minded attitude to have about media than some people have, but I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that at least in my perception, video games, it's like more socially acceptable to be like, yeah, I'm playing it on an emulator. Well, you know when I mean? you can't get it somewhere else yeah, exactly. legally. Right. Because That's it's so common to not be able to get it somewhere else legally. That, right. Like, but I think I think you get into thorny territory when you talk about, I mean, plenty of people are pirating games that yes. you can just buy today, like modern games, like whatever well, just yeah. came out. Yeah, and that, that's kind of that a different gets thing. Into, yeah, very much murkier, like much less ethical. It's much harder to justify pirating the newest game that just came out than it is pirating um, a, an old Super Nintendo game you love that you can't buy anywhere and don't know well, how to. And the developers have all split up so they're not seeing the money anyway. So, mm-hmm, like, who knows? Yeah. When we all have, we have different words even. One is pirating and one is emulating. Right, emulation. So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that's true. It feels to me like the people who own this stuff often care the least about preserving it sometimes. <laughs> I think about the Universal Fire, not to always be bringing this back to music, but there was this horrible fire in Universal where a ton of master recordings burned. I'm sure you've heard about this. This is like this colossal tragedy where they lost so much music and it was partly just because of neglect and because they were just kind of not taken care of. And it was kind of like, ah, oh, no one cares. There were artists who found out about it through the media or way later. And I get this sense from games too that it's just never going to be the pu- the publishers, the people who paid for the games or who own the IP, they're not going to be the ones who take responsibility for, you know, shining it up and making it, you know, ready to do. I recently I recently worked on a sort of classic game project. That's exciting. It well, yeah, it'll be cool and it's like it was it was part of it part of the whole process is like explaining the game and presenting all the different versions of it and kind of doing what we've done here for Final Fantasy VI. Like someone has to actually do that work. And that's the work of preservation. It isn't just getting it running on a modern system. It's like you need someone to explain what it is, present the different versions and like help people see the differences between them if they've never used, you know, some of these old game systems and like bring people in who can kind of walk you through what's going on. And that's like a whole labor intensive process that there are whole companies that do that. 
and and release games like that. But it's definitely a kind of work that requires money and resources and time. Mm-hmm. And I don't get the sense that most video game publishers have any interest in doing that at all. Because like you said, Jason, I don't think it makes a lot of money. It's kind of a niche thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like capitalism is the problem here. And if the, the artists <laughs> owned what they had created, then maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation because it mm-hmm. would be a lot more. Like if you if if you could go back and put together all of the people who made Final Fantasy VI, uh, maybe they were, I guess some of them are still at Square Enix. Some of the top ones are still at Square Enix. But, but I, I'm guessing that a lot of them would get together and say, hey, like, well, let's make our game available for, for whoever wants to buy the original version. Like, Let's make it as available as possible instead of having to worry about like what's coming next, what's the big new hit, what's what's hitting our profit sheets this quarter, like what's gonna make the difference to our PLs, blah 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 blah. All right, so I've got I've got one more question for you two, and I think I know the answer, but do you two have any type of emotional attachment when you're playing an old game to playing it with its original controller or original CRT setup or whatever way you remembered playing it when you were young and you played it, like, does that mean anything to you? I feel like most of us would say no. If there's a great Switch port, we'd much rather play it that way. But Or even if it's a historical reason, if you're like, I feel like I should be playing Final Fantasy VI on a Game Boy Advance for real because isn't that the way it's meant to be played? Do you feel that way at all? Jason, what do you think? Strong no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The one thing, the one place where games have advanced and should never look back is like controllers and hardware and like trying to play. I mean, even with the SNES Classic, like you play, you pick up the controller and you're like, oh man, like how did we love this thing for so long? Oh, it's a great controller. (laughs) It's it's a great controller for its time, but like comparing that to your modern day Xbox or PlayStation controllers that you can just plug into a pc and play anything on it's just like a world of difference like it's so much more comfortable to play stuff on on modern controllers and that's the case for everything switch is a little different because the switch has its like moments of discomfort too depending what you're playing how you're playing it if you're playing with joy cons in or out or with pro controller or whatever um but yeah i'm i'm very much in favor of like making everything playable on newer systems newer controllers um and i'm not i've never been someone who like even notices the difference between like oh this doesn't look the same because it's not on the crt so you don't get the exact like graphical quality differences and blah 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 like the stuff that preservationists care a lot more about i don't quite care as much about so no i'm not a purist when it comes to that stuff what about you kirk you care about it i'm mostly the same i think that it's kind of interesting the way that controllers have all like they're all still able to play those old games. There's a D-pad on every controller, mm-hmm. even though if you were making a brand new controller out of, for, out, you know, just in a world where those games hadn't existed, and it was just making games, you know, designing controllers for modern games. Would you necessarily have a four-way D-pad <laughs> that would go on every controller? Maybe, maybe not. That's a good um, question. So it's like yeah. that that controller, like the original controllers, do still exist on the modern controllers, which is one reason that we can feel that way. Um, and I mostly agree. I think there are some specific controllers that I at least understand, like the GameCube controller. I understand why people get attached to that because that's so distinct and has such <laughs> I mean, a I distinct do and I feel. Don't, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's a whole Smash thing, and I'm not really yeah, a big yeah, Smash yeah. player. And then I think that when it comes to um, weird like peripherals, like the Rock Band instruments, the oh, drum yeah. set, um, some of that, like that kind of thing, I I would think <laughs> you would need to play that on the original thing. Like getting together with people and playing Rock Band. I don't think you can play Rock Band on a PlayStation 5 controller, no. <laughs> well, right, I'm sure that you could kind of hack together a way to play it using MIDI or something. Sure. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. If someone could do that, it just wouldn't be the same. Like you need, no. with stuff like that, with the big weird controls, you kind of need to be using the original thing. And then you might as well kind of bust out the whole original setup yeah yeah I don't disagree but I was still surprised as I was going through my old consoles about the emotional attachment that I had to certain old controllers or setups and I was just like wow like remember this remember Wii Mm -hmm. Sports that was crazy remember (laughs) remember the GameCube controller 
What a controller. This would be a good podcast. I would listen to a podcast that was just Maddie remembering controllers. (laughs) (laughs) And remember the Super Nintendo controller? Man, those shoulder buttons. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. I think there's a school of thought out there that it doesn't really matter. Like the retro game preservation doesn't really matter because it's not even worth going back and playing them because so many like new games have just evolved like and, and raised the bar in so many ways. Um, sure. I remember I've had this conversation with our, our former boss, Steven Totillo, a bunch of times. He just left Kotaku. So farewell, bon voyage to Steven. Um, and we, we he is like very anti-retro games, like to the point where it's a goof. And we would go back and forth and he would be like, I don't understand why you would want to play an old game like why would you want to play a game again like he could never understand why someone would play a game a second time and like Mm -hmm. want to experience it again which i think is really interesting well not (laughs) and not to argue against steven who isn't here to argue back but like (laughs) i i get what he's saying like video games do become more user-friendly and and everything over time and it's much more pleasant in a lot of ways to play modern games but if you view games as art and you're interested in them as an art form like Art does not move along a trajectory that only gets better. Like, that's not how it works. Like, there's a reason that people still listen to recordings from the 1970s and the 1920s. There's a reason that people still watch old movies. There's a reason people read books from hundreds of years ago. Like, art is just art. Like, it's it, it has aspects to it that you can appreciate and that are interesting and beautiful no matter when it was made. So, like, of course it's worth going back and playing old games, even if it's a weird experience and it's not fun in that way that playing a modern game is, it's still, it can be a totally rewarding and worthwhile experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's when you get into the whole technology part of the video game cocktail that is like the art-technology hybrid, because the technology has improved so drastically that it's like, you look at an NES game and sometimes it's like really unplayable, because it's so tough or it's so clunky or it's so hard to even control anything but but yeah I mean I think that like fundamentally there are some games that have aged really well and um, I think that's an important part of the video game experience like um, we'll see when we talk about Final Fantasy 6 how, how you guys feel about how well it's aged and even how I feel as someone who's played it two dozen times how well it's aged but I think that like it can be actually really fun and gratifying to go back and play something like Link to the Past or Super Metroid because those games have actually aged incredibly well you play Super Mario World today and it feels like you're playing like any Super Mario game like it's just as fun and and satisfying and like feels just as good as like any new any modern Super Mario game in some ways it's better than like the new Super Mario games I think Um, so really your 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 mind mileage may vary depending what you actually go back and and try to play. Yeah. Although there is also an art to making a really good port that maintains all of that same spirit while making the game easier to play (laughs) in a way that feels invisible, but is also extremely appreciated. Mm, And there's something to be said for that. And I do really wish there were a current port of Final Fantasy VI that did that exact thing. And sadly, there isn't. Uh, So I guess we'll leave it there. Um, We'll take a little break and then we'll be back with one more thing. I can't hear myself, but I'm assuming. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. Hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan Jesse Go. And it's free. Jordan Jordan, Jesse Go? Go? Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. Schmanners. Noun. Definition. Rules of etiquette designed not to judge others, but rather to guide ourselves through everyday social situations. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Every week on Schmanners, we take a look at a topic that has to do with society or manners. We talk about the history of it. We take a look at how it applies to everyday life. And we take some of your questions. And sometimes we do a biography about a really cool person that had an impact on how we view etiquette. So join us every Friday and listen to Schmanners on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? And we are back for one more thing. And I already know what Kirk's is, and it's an extremely <laughs> exciting announcement. And there's no need to delay. We're going to kick it over to Kirk Hamilton to tell us about his week. 
My one more thing is that I finally bought a PlayStation 5 successfully. The amazing thing is that this is a feat that merits applause (laughs) when you pull it up. (laughs) I have successfully given Sony money in exchange for a console. Uh, How many months has it been since you started trying to get one? Like two months? Um... Yeah, I guess I started trying in December, and it is now February. So it's been like a month and change, a month and a half. Okay. And um, yeah, I it was a whole process to try to get it, and then I finally made it happen at Walmart. And um, I actually recorded myself. I was in the middle of working on Strong Songs when I got it, so I just had a session open, and I was like, I'm just going to record myself right now, and I'm going to tell the story. So I am now going to throw it to my past self explaining how I got a PlayStation 5. And this will actually maybe be helpful for any of you listening who are still trying to get one. So I'm going to play this recording that I made last week, and you two are going to listen along. So listeners, you're going to hear Jason and Maddie hearing this story alongside uh, the rest of you for the first time, even though I have already heard it because I told it. Okay, so take it away past Kirk. Hey everybody, it's Kirk, and I'm recording into the middle of a Strong Song session because I was sitting here working on my other podcast, Strong Songs, when uh, I got a text from our friend Jason Schreier that um, Wario64 had tweeted that Walmart was going to get PS5s in stock. And so I have been playing this game for a long time, uh, for more than a month. I've been trying to get a PS5, and I've been trying to go the legit route. I'm not bugging anybody that I know in PR at Sony, not trying to work any angles. I just want to try to buy one like a normal person. (laughs) And it's been really difficult, huge pain in the ass, you could even say. And uh, I had basically given up. And then I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to try it. I put some notifications on my phone, some Twitter notifications from like the in-stock Twitter accounts, which was a massive pain. And uh, I, I was kind of increasingly aware of when, when the thing was in stock, but you keep trying and it just doesn't work. But I finally just got one and I wanted to record this moment for posterity. It is so hard to get a PlayStation 5. I got one from Walmart and the way it works at Walmart is they release these things in waves and they always kind of announce. This is actually, there was a Verge article reporting that Walmart was going to have PS5s in stock. So that's how it started. And then, um, let's see, let me see if I actually have this email. I've got my email here from Walmart. Um, That is exciting. (laughs) They've got my order confirmed. It comes on March 3rd, so it comes in like three weeks. Whatever, now I don't have to worry about it. Um, So The Verge reports that they have them. That's where it starts. And then that's on Wario64's Twitter feed. Oh, The Verge reports that Walmart says they will have PS5s in stock. That's what we've been reduced to. So uh, then you go to the you go to the Walmart website with a billion other people and you wait, and then right at noon Pacific, boom, they go up. So I've got it set at this point. I've been doing this long enough. You kind of learn to refine your technique, and I have a link that just adds it to your cart, adds a PlayStation Five to your cart, rather than going to the like store page and refreshing and hitting the button. So I'm ready with that link. I've got my cart open in one you know in one tab, and I've got that other tab ready to press that button. So I just start pressing it. Press, press, press. The thing is sold out within a second. Less than a second, gone at noon. Okay, holy shit. So it sold out so fast, it's got to be all bots or something, I I guess. Um, Scalpers. And I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? I should go have lunch. (laughs) And instead, you know, they, they do this thing where it sells out at noon, and they're like, okay, we'll be back at 1210. We're gonna have more. So I'm like, okay. I'll wait until 1210. I'll try this again. So I've got the thing loaded up. I got my cart there. I'm ready to go. I I check my account. Looks right. Everything looks good. And then I'm like, okay, here we go. Kind of wait, do a little bit of work. 1210 rolls around. Start hitting the button. Just hitting it, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. Nothing's happening. Sold out, sold out, sold out. And then suddenly, boom, it's in my cart. I'm like, oh shit, it's in my cart. Okay, time to check out. Go to the checkout thing. (laughs) Press checkout. It says review your order. Reviewed my order. Check your address. Looks good. Check your card. Looks good. What's your CVV on the back of your card? I'm like, wait, what? I don't remember. I thought this was saved. (laughs) And so then I don't remember what it is. And I'm looking. I have it like saved in LastPass. And I'm looking. I'm trying to remember what it is. It's taking a little bit. I'm trying to get it to show me the number. Oh, my God. It shows me the number. Okay, there's the number. I'm not going to tell you all the number because you can't steal my credit card. Come on. Don't don't do that. That's not cool. Um, So then I, I put the number in. Boom. Go to buy it. It's sold out. Okay. All right. Well, we got it into our cart, so that feels like progress. And now Walmart, of course, is saying 1220. We'll have another wave of these things. Come back at 1220. Okay. So uh, I'm going to come back at 1220. That seemed to work. I got it into my cart. It's actually now saved in my cart. 
and it says like save for later and I can actually keep going through the checkout process it just says that it's sold out when I hit the final place your order button so I'm like hmm Maybe this will save me some time. So I do some more work, kind of putz around, you know, wait until 12.20. 12.20 happens, and, uh, and I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm ready to check out, and actually it goes out of my cart. So now my cart is empty, so I'm back to the original process, pressing the Add to Cart shortcut. So press that thing, press it, press the Add to button, press that shortcut, press it so much, and then boom, it's back in my cart again. Okay, here we go again. Go, review the order, review the address, review the credit card number, enter the thing, go, and it says your credit card information could not be verified. And I'm like, what does that mean? That's, that's my credit card number. And then I look, and oh my god, it isn't. It's an old credit card with the, my old address. It's like one that I put in the last time I ordered something from Walmart, which was forever ago who even knows what it was and i'm like why didn't i check this why didn't i check my credit card information and i didn't so i'm like frantically trying to add the new credit card number and i've got it there and i'm adding it and i'm like you know knowing that i'm screwed at this point i'm adding and it's you know adding the number and then it asked me the cvv code and i know that and i press place the order and it's sold out so oh my god amateur hour totally screwed it up so waiting 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 they say they're gonna have another round of these at 12 30 and i'm like okay here we go. 12.30. We're going to make this happen. I've got it in the saved for later. So I get it all ready to hit the place order button. And, uh, and I don't do that because I know it currently thinks it's sold out, so it won't work. So waiting, doing a little bit more work, kind of like, all right, if this doesn't work, I'm going to bail. But I think maybe this is the closest I've ever been. So we're going to see if we can make this work. So waiting, waiting, waiting. I've got the time.is, you know, the kind of nuclear clock up, waiting for that to just kick over. And right when it kicks over, I'm going to hit the place order button. So right when it kicks over, I hit the place order button and this capture thing comes up. Proves you're not a robot. I'm like, I'm not a robot. I'm clicking the thing and waiting. Then it says, prove you're not a robot again. I'm like, I'm really not a robot. Pressing it, pressing it. It takes me back a step. Confirm your address. Okay, whatever. Confirm the address. I know the credit card is right now. Go, 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 go. Press place order. Sold out. And now it's out of my cart. I'm like, oh my god, I'm back to square one. Over there, pressing the shortcut, pressing the shortcut, trying to get it in there. And then it adds to my cart. One more time. Go through. Review the order. Review the address. Review the credit card number. Hit place order. And it just sits there spinning. And then, boom. I ordered a PlayStation 5. And this is how excited I am that I got to spend $500 on something that I probably should have been a little bit easier to buy, but you know, <laughs> we live in COVID times and some things are very hard to come by. And now I have a PlayStation 5 coming in a matter of, well, many weeks, assuming that my order doesn't get canceled or anything else. And I'm, I'm excited, this was fun. <laughs> it was a fun moment of retail shenanigans. Um, I kind of can't believe I got one given how bad the purchasing processes at Walmart, just like it is everywhere, uh, but I did manage to pull it off. So if you've been trying to get a PlayStation 5 and you're like me and you kind of are sort of over it and frustrated, hey, you can get one. You just kind of got to stick with it. And yeah, use that add to cart shortcut at Walmart. Um, so this is me in the moment having just ordered one. And uh, I'm assuming that I'm going to edit this into the show at some point <laughs> when we record next week. But, uh, but anyways, Good times. I finally paid a lot of money for a video game device. <laughs> Hooray. Wow. Well done. That story was so many more ups and downs than I thought <laughs> it was going to have. Yeah, tell yeah. me about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I successfully ordered a PlayStation 5, and actually I have some updates after that story. The first one is that it actually came today, so it didn't Yay! take until March 3rd. Um, it came a lot faster than I thought, which is cool. I set it up, and I have not done anything with it yet, but I'm sure I'll be talking about it on the show next week. And the other thing I will say is that if you are trying to buy one of these, um, I've heard from a number of people who've used the technique that I use, that shortcut to add to the cart at Walmart. It really does work. I mean, I got it into my cart three times, which is impressive. I had a lot of room to fuck up. Mm -hmm. And um, so I actually posted a little guide to how to do it in the triple click discord in the video game chat that's sort of pinned there. And um, there's a lot of guides for how to do this, but that method does work. So that is uh, that is the end of my story. Thank nice. you, everyone, for indulging me in my in my epic mm -hmm. saga. And now I can play uh, finally play Demon Souls. That Good is very job. exciting. I can't help but notice that Kirk did get a PS5 before any of us got a vaccine, which is... Just interesting to me mm. personally. <laughs> that is, that is a factoid, no, isn't it? No real reason. Um, <laughs> but that is something that I've noticed about that story. Mm. That's all I'll say. Mm, anyway, I'll go next, I guess. <laughs> so 
This week, I played a board game that is called Hunt a Killer, Death at a Dive Bar. Have you two ever played... Maddie Hamilton over here talking about (laughs) No, I've heard of it. I remember it being advertised somewhere, like hearing podcast ads for it, but no, I've never played it. Yeah, so this game is... It's part of a series of games that are just a box of props, basically. It's it's a box of evidence, fake evidence for a fake mm. murder that you have to solve. Mm. And this isn't like a linear game in any way. It's just you open the box and you have uh, all of the evidence that you need from a case and you just look at it all and you try to figure out who did the murder. And when you're pretty mm. sure you know who did the murder, you open an envelope that tells you whether or not you got it right. And there are codes that you have to crack so it's there just one are, murder in the game, or it's like in this game, versions? yes. It, it, there's oh, wow. a whole bunch so of different games that you can buy. You can only play this once, yes. Oh, wow. And so the way that me and Dina and her sole remaining roommate, the other one, moved back in with her parents. So we we're down we're down to a COVID party of three these days. <laughs> the three of us played this board game together. Um, we borrowed it from some other friends who borrowed it from some other friends. It's been like going oh, around cool. yeah, because yeah, you can yeah. only play yeah. it once and then we're going to give it to somebody else because we've already we've beaten the mystery and i really recommend this even though these games are like they're expensive they're like over a hundred dollars because it's like wow. these really realistic props where it's like a menu and like a, a bottle opener and like oh, wow. all this stuff that you look at and you're like oh what is, why is there a bottle opener in this box uh, okay and like eventually uh-huh. you figure out why it's there and like I don't know. It's just, it's really cool. Like you're looking at these real objects and these actual cases and you're, well, it's not, it's not real, I'm, but I'm so into this. This sounds I amazing. I'm going to go buy this like immediately. I loved it <laughs> so much. I recommend it so strongly. We felt so stupid. And then also like geniuses by the end, there were a lot of moments where we were cracking the code. So there's two characters in this game. I will not reveal how to crack the code, but there are two characters in the game who are using a secret code to communicate with one another and you find some letters from them where they're using it and you're you're pretty sure you know what kind of code it is, but you don't know how to crack it and they really don't tell you. Like eventually you just have to figure out how to crack the code. And it took us oh, hours and we tried so many methods for cracking the code that were just total dead ends, but really fun. Like we were just walking around the apartment like okay, what if it's this? And then like running into the other room being like, I've got it, I've got it. And then like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't oh, work man, at all. This just sounds great. It's kind of like an escape room. It's like, it was, or those other, yeah. like with the physical feely stuff. Oh man, that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, it was so wow. satisfying. And there were all these like little side plots that we figured out that weren't even in the solution at the end where we were just like reading about each person involved in the mystery and being like, clearly this person is actually doing this. Like they didn't kill this person, but they're doing this other mm-hmm. scheme and like we figured that out and we're like then opening the thing at the end and it just tells you the killer and we were like well what about can we get all this other stuff confirmed but like it doesn't even matter it's just like fun little side plots that you can discover in the course of learning who the killer is and that's just like added texture so anyway i really recommend this whole series you don't have to get that specific one they have a ton and there's like a subscription box you can subscribe to i guess where you can just get these all the time if you want to solve mysteries with your roommates and it's Um, called hunt a killer yeah, it ruled so hard. It's awesome. all I want to do. It sounds um, great. Yeah. So, Jason, what about you? I have been watching WandaVision, which I know both of you have also been That's right. watching. Um, it's true. I have, yeah, I have thoughts on this. So, first of all, I want to talk, <laughs> I want to tell you guys. Um, so, uh, I put on the first episode of WandaVision uh, like a couple of weeks ago because I saw people talking about it on Twitter. And mm-hmm. I think I lasted 30 seconds and I was like, nope, this isn't for me. Um, I'm not like a huge MCU buff. Um, I've seen most of the movies, but like haven't seen them multiple times the way that like I know, I know both of you are way more into like Marvel stuff than I am, but I'm, but I'm into it. I, I know the characters. I like them. I'm just not like super into You're the, just not like a MCU. huge stinky nerd. No, we got it. You're exactly. cool. You're like football. Yeah. I like I like Final Fantasy. Oh, speaking of football. Speaking of football, I was originally planning on making my one more thing this week, uh, uh, an NFL story about oh the Super Bowl. Oh my god, I regret everything. Right, but you probably lost a lot of money on your bets, right? And you're but really the salty Super about Bowl it. And... Was so boring that like there it. isn't even a story mm. to talk about. It was like one of the worst Super Bowls I've ever Interesting. seen. Interesting. If you're if you're a Tom Brady fan, you probably didn't think it was boring, which right, I can't tell you how I would know that. I'm yeah, definitely not related to any. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, uh, so WandaVision. So yeah, so I was like, this is not for me. Like this sitcom shit. Like I'm, I've seen enough. I love Lucy in my life. I don't need more of this stuff. Um, and then I saw people talking about like some big, big twist at the end of episode five that changes everything in the MCU. And I was like, all right, I should just give this another chance to just watch through it all. So I started watching through it. I was like, okay, this is pretty good. I really like the guy who plays Vision. He's a great actor, Peter. Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Um, He's fantastic. Recently watched A Night's Tale. He is red hot in A Night's Tale. Good Lord. Wow. Um, Paul Bettany. (laughs) Remember A Night's Tale? Kirk does. Yeah, he's Jeffrey Chaucer. (laughs) I saw someone saying on Twitter this hilarious thing. I wish I remembered who, but I saw someone saying that like, like Paul Bettany like has has gone from like someone who was like like a single voice in Iron Man for a check to like this this monster character and like yeah. suddenly he's tied into all these things he's like mm-hmm. contractually obligated to do all these things anyway um and then uh, I think it takes like three episodes or four episodes before I really got into it. Basically, when you're out of the 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 TV and like into the real world, yeah, it, it takes, takes three episodes to reveal what's going on. It's a big mystery. Yeah, to reveal yeah. what the show is actually about. Yeah, because the show is one big mystery, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I I started getting really into it by like the third or fourth episode. Once you meet Monica Rambo and Jimmy Woo, especially, and Kat Dennings' character, and you start really like getting into to the thick of it and now I'm super invested now I'm like I can't wait for each new episode I want to see what's going to happen next I'm so hooked on this mystery and like what's really going on and I feel like the mystery pretty much has got to be way deeper than people than like originally seems like the the most obvious thing and this isn't even really a spoiler but the most obvious like like kind of assumption is like oh Wanda misses Vision so much that she's created this world where she can live with him but I feel like it's going to be something more than that like I feel like there's going to be some bigger a twist upon a twist um but here's a funny story the end of episode five the cameo that i mentioned before like the big twist that changes everything in the mcu i watched it and i was like what who who <laughs> is that because it turns out you have to see some movies that i haven't actually seen to actually appreciate this <laughs> so That's i funny. didn't really know what was i think this on. is classic marvel stuff right like like right. the end credit stuff where the person next to you in the theater says oh well i'll tell you who that is you know that's uh that's adam warlock like he's gonna be yeah, in the next exactly. one you know or whatever exactly yeah i'm like usually that's me saying that to you uh, and yes, I, yes. I wasn't there jason to explain to you what that character is from and like the bit that they were doing with all of it yeah, I'm, re- I'm very sorry that i couldn't be there that moment. <laughs> no, but it's okay because I still and I'm enjoying the show beyond like the the twist stuff, which is important. Like you have to really be into a show beyond that. And I actually really like it. I think that the the acting is good, um, especially for Marvel stuff. And yeah, I'm really into it. So I will say that if you like me, bounced off of it at first, or if you like didn't think it would be into you, give it a chance. If you're if you're at least semi into Marvel stuff, because I don't think you can really watch this unless you know the MCU. Um, this is not a show for people who have never probably, watched a Marvel. Movie. Probably, not. probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, I like it. It's though. a mystery. I like when a show. It's fun to watch a mystery. Like it's fun it to watch fun a to thing watch that's mysterious, thing. and you're trying to figure out what's going on, and there's a little clues. Yeah. You know, that's that just makes for a fun experience. Yeah, I feel like I'm having a completely different experience with the show, having read so many comics about Scarlet Witch like and Like House of M. Aren't there yeah. actual comic runs that this is kind of based on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I watch it, I'm not like, oh, this is a big mystery. I'm like, oh, these are all the comic book storylines they're pulling from, which is a very cool artistic pursuit for them to be doing. And I'm really enjoying the artistry of it in a different nice. type of way where I'm like, oh, okay, here's what here's what they're combining in order to summarize Scarlet Witch's very lengthy, complex history and make it palatable to audiences who need to understand it in nine apps. Let me ask you, um, as a just like spoiler phrase, a person who knows all the comic arcs, is there a chance that they're using those arcs and now they're going to fold something bigger on top of them? Because it feels a little like that's what they're about to do. Yeah, they pretty much have to. So like Monica Rambeau mm-hmm. is not a character who's normally associated with Wanda at all. Okay. So like even that combination is kind of wacky for them. Like she's a old, old guard Avengers character and she and Scarlet Witch were on the team at the same time. But like, that's not the era of Avengers that was being adapted by these movies. So they're already displacing a multiple storylines into one here anyway. And I think they're going to do Monica Rambeau's origin story, which would have already happened. It already did happen in the comics by the time she became an Avenger. So, I mean, they're, they're taking multiple things out of time. So in that way, I like the two of you. I'm like, oh, I don't know what they're going to do next. I don't know how they're going to reveal Monica's powers. I mean, I guess 
spoilers. She's going to have superpowers, but like, this, this <laughs> not a spoiler. Come on. She's been around since Does the Does anyone 70s. not have superpowers? Come on. Right. Um, Randall Park. I hope Randall Park never gets superpowers. Just his amazing face. <laughs> Randall Park is awesome, and he's great in Veep. He's really great in this. And I just saw a video of him rapping that is incredible. It's him he just does, like does, I think he raps in, in uh, Always Be My Maybe. I feel like he does some rapping in that movie. He's great, yeah. man. I, I, I love that guy. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kat Dennings is also awesome. Yeah. Well, of course, yes. Nice to see her again. <laughs> One of the like deep cut talents from the Thor movies people didn't like. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really nice to see her have her her come around and get to be in something that's actually kind of good. <laughs> All of the yeah. Thor movies were okay. They're <laughs> the fine, second one was. but like one Vision's actually pretty good, and she gets yes, to ham it yes, up. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm enjoying it, um, and actually really excited to see like more Marvel shows. Although the promo for the Falcon and um, and what's Winter his face? Soldier. Winter Soldier mm-hmm. didn't look great, but willing to give it a chance. Yeah, yeah. We'll I think that Hawkeye show might be good. I don't think there's a promo for that yet, but it's it's going to have Kate Bishop in it, and I would like to watch. It's going to have Pizza Hawkeye Dog show. in it, <laughs> and that's why I'm going to watch. Wait, it. is it is it Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye? Yeah, like but it's also ugh. like young ugh. teenage girl Hawkeye, and she's cool. So and whatever. Pizza Dog, and it's got <laughs> Pizza Dog. I'm going to watch it just because there's a dog that likes pizza one yeah. more quick thing by the way i really like the wandavision is one episode per week as opposed to letting you out binge it yes. at once because it really yes. feels like there's like an ongoing conversation around it which is really cool the mandalorian mm-hmm. was that way too as you'll yes. learn when we get to yeah, season three spoke, this is all spoken like a man who's being forced to watch two seasons of the mandalorian not week <laughs> to week unlike me and kirk for a certain beans cast that's gonna come out <laughs> anyway uh that's for next week uh this is it for this week it is see ya sometime yeah I'll see you both next week see you guys bye Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier Maddie Myers and me Kirk Hamilton I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music our show art is by Tom DJ some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration you can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at maximumfun.org/join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod. Send email to TripleClick at maximumfun.org and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.